This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey, how's it going? Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Rose Samson Folk, and you're joining me after the Raptors defeated the Washington Wizards in one of their best victories so far this year. A resounding victory, in fact, where the defense looked good, the offense looked good as well, and they came together for, I would say, a very complete win over the Wizards. Whether there was a general malaise among the camp of the Wizards after a fantastic night in Toronto, I mean, I think that's fair. Dinwiddie with nine, Bradley Beal with 14. And the team missing, like, uh, Rui Hachimura is a a notable guy. Thomas Bryant, obviously, has been out for some time. But honestly, the Raptors, they played an awesome game, particularly against Beal and Dinwiddie, Trez Harrell, and uh, Daniel Gafford. Gafford, who's had just a phenomenal year. He's graded out as one of the better rim protectors in the NBA this year. And as far as points saved at the rim, I think he's super high too. And Montrez Harrell, even though he had 14 boards, keeping him to six points, those are two things defensively that I think are just really standout stuff. After the game, Nick Nurse had talked about how the Raptors are doing a really good job of rounding players' drives. And that means that the help doesn't have to come as far over. It means that they they make it a longer trip for the guy on offense and they make it a shorter trip for the guy on defense. And the Raptors did a really good job of that. Even guys like Dono Banton were the exos in this game were much better. And then offensively, I mean, something huge came together, I guess overall as a thing, was the Scotty plus bench unit, second quarter, and the start of the fourth quarter. They won their minutes. And what looked like it was going to be a disastrous lineup, I mean, it, it certainly it certainly has been in the past, like trying to put that much weight on Scotty to to carry a lineup like that and to ask the the bench to score and to win minutes has been a big ask lately. And they they won those minutes. That was a huge development in this game. And then outside of that, Pascal Siakam finished with 31, 10 of 21 from the field. And couched into that was a rapid or torrid pace uh, at the end of the second quarter to close out the half. He had like seven makes in a row. Um, the uh, like the crowd was really into it. It was super fun for him. And it was as far as, it wasn't as efficient as his game against the Sacramento Kings. But I think it was leagues better because Pascal was finishing a lot of plays on that one. But in this game, the Wizards threw a lot of different looks at him. And my God, it's his ability to negotiate the space and deal with what they were doing was awesome. And there's been obviously sentiments from any fan base of any star player that that takeover aspect of the game, right? And 
Pascal is a guy who has gone passive at times for stretches, largely because he does make the right play a lot of times. If he gets shaded too much, if the defense does pack the paint, he will pass it out and he'll ask, well, they'll ask other players to create or extend the advantage from there. But in this game, he beat blitzes. He would use an escape dribble to get a double or a trap away, and then he would re-engage. And like just a couple plays in the middle where you could see he was managing how far over the Wizards defenders could come on him, the shading, everything like that. And it was really a masterful performance. He got to the line six times in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, I think he got to show off tremendous shot making, whether it was from the mid-range or getting, you know, kind of to the short corner and getting a little fader from there. It was it was really nice to watch him work. And it it spoke to how he was reading the game. I asked Nick Nurse after the game, like, What's uh? What do you think drove this? Like, is this something you guys talked about? Because this, as far as process, was by far his best game, and he was more assertive in places where he probably would have passed out before. And he said this is something they talked about, and this is something they're tracking over the season. And so that was awesome to see. And you know, <laughs> hell yeah, Pascal, because thirty-one points against a Wizards defense that was very keyed in on him, and gave him a bunch of different looks is fantastic. This is something you know we've talked about with. Scotty Barnes throughout this season is every game seems to be dom every big game of his I should say it seems to be dominated by a big stretch a big stretch of play where he really understands the defense he's like okay I'm really seeing how the floor lays out right now I'm seeing how the defense wants to guard me and I'm getting to advantageous spots over and over and that's awesome but Pascal I mean he was able to do that regardless of what they threw at him and he started out one for six and the assertiveness did not go away. And the fruits of his labor, I mean, everybody was eating tonight, especially him, because they go from one for six, and then he was eight for 13 because of those seven straight makes. Awesome. And even like Gary Trent Jr., a guy who, you know, six, four, and three in this game, he obviously is not getting, you know, the shot-making pop wasn't there the same way it's been in a lot of other games. But he had just one of my favorite playmaking plays of his of the year so far. They were running very simplistic action. It looked like Fred was about to run a pick and roll with Precious, I believe. And Gary Trent Jr., who typically and almost always spaces uh, to to the corner or above the break, he was in the corner and he pinched in because the defense was stepping up so high on Fred, which is not a regular occurrence for Gary Trent Jr. But he pinched in, he caught the pass in air, and it was like a pincer move because Pascal made a 45 cut while Gary Trent Jr. made a baseline cut. And Gary caught it in air and passed it to Pascal in air. And then he converted on the layup. It was awesome. It was such a genius interpretation of the floor by both of them in concert with each other. And that was the first bucket of the second half, I believe. And that was awesome to see. On the other side of the floor, notable performance, uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope. I think he was 8 of 9 at one point in the game. Um, yeah, he finished at 8 of 9. 6 of 6 from the free throw line. 4 of 4 from downtown. Really a sterling performance. It was awesome. And in the lowest key possible, I think, because it was just when the ball came to him, he'll put the shot up. If the if the closeout is a little bit too aggressive, he'll put the ball on the floor. He'll get baseline. He'll finish at the bucket if he can. And yeah, hell yeah for you, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, because, I mean, he played awesome while everybody else struggled relative to what is expected of them, like, if you were to go, you know, season averages aren't everything. But if you went with Beal, Kuzma, Gafford, Harrell, you know, Avdiha, he played like 16 minutes. He had zero points, one rebound, one assist. And he's not a super, he doesn't put up a lot of stuff. But that's almost like, you know, a Tony Snell meme 
uh, type of stat line as far as that goes. But Raul Neto, probably the only guy who will paste his expectation. And that, that does speak to that, that Nick Nurse quote about how the Raptors were accomplishing rounding out those drives. And that is, that is paramount to how they defended in this game because you have two guys, Spencer Dinwiddie and Bradley Beal, who really thrive on that punch. They get like they punch gaps, they get into the paint and they stir up trouble and they can both finish there too. And if you if you lean on that really hard, if you try and change their shots too aggressively, they can dump off to Gafford, they can find Trez, they can Kuzma relocating, that kind of stuff. And the Raptors, they made those drives significantly less potent in this one. And that was awesome to see. And quite a few different lineups did it. I mean, the Raptors basically the only time this game looked like anywhere remotely close to competitive was at the start of the third quarter when the Wizards were getting some of those, you know, the the ball would funnel to the corner. A guy like KCP, more so than Kuz, but Kuz a little bit too, would hit a three. And, you know, the Raptors do give up a lot of corner threes. That's that's part of their scheme. Is it the best part of their scheme? No, there's other standout parts. And certainly we saw that tonight, like the aggressiveness to stop drives. The, the Wizards didn't get to the bucket, but sometimes it leaks to the corner. And they hit like quite a few jumpers in succession. And, you know, do, does that bother you in the moment? Not not that much, honestly, because the Raptors had such a cozy lead after halftime and they ended up winning by 12 and they had this game in a very comfortable spot the whole time. And so even as the, as the Wizards were getting to spots and making stuff happen, I think uh, the Raptors were very comfortable. And in the first half too, it was, it's super important to note, like I think they had 12 points in the first quarter a lot of those points were like those 12-foot, 14-foot push shots. Like that's where guys could get to on the court where they would feel comfortable, a guy like Beal. And every once in a while, you know, Dinwiddie scoops to the rim. He snakes a pick and roll or something like that. And that's that's just great offense. And But 90 points at the end of the day, the Raptors, they accomplished their defensive goal, no doubt about it. And, you know, a large part of that, I guess I should focus more on the bench. Yuta Watanabe, I mean... He deserves a lot of credit for how he played tonight because it's not that seven points, two rebounds, and one assist is massive or anything, but there's just, if you watch him come over to like seal off the baseline when a guy is driving so that the baseline pass is more difficult, the the opposing player, the guy on offense, has to kind of lob to the corner because he doesn't have the straight line pass because Utah has closed it off. Utah can recover now to the corner because the lob and he's so good in control during his closeouts that he controls the baseline as one player on these defensive possessions. And you can extrapolate this into different types of actions. He really locks things down. He looks great too. And offensively, I think what everybody wants from Utah is a obvious, well, obviously to allow a, a few more shots to, to break out of his game. If you know what I mean? Like when we think about Utah last year, if you say he shot 40% from three, which he did, was he seen as like a very potent three-point shooter? Not really. And that's because the shot making wasn't a huge part of his game. But in this one, he let it go early and often. And I think even more important than the three-point shot was that the straight line drives he was able to provide. It was, he had one great, really, really high finish off the glass. And that was, you know, attacking a closeout. But there were two other drives after that that, it was kind of hard luck for fouls. He was complaining to the ref afterwards, which that's a lot of emoting from Utah. But I mean, to see him drive to the rim, not with reckless abandon, but with like a real a fervor, he wanted to get there and he wanted to finish. That isn't, that's not a huge part of his game. You know, I talked about rounding drives 
uh, and like that Nick Nurse had mentioned it. And when we think about Utah or Gary Trent Jr., like very rarely are those guys able to get straight line drives where they don't have to round or they don't even have to like flatten it out and go parallel, right? And they either either take a jumper, well, more so Gary than Utah there, but or you see them pass out of it. And Utah, very few pass outs. He wanted to pressure the rim. And in this game, even though it didn't result in points, I think the process there is very good. That was awesome to see. The Barnes and Banton connection, I mean, hell yeah, right? Like, you get Banton, who's always going to do some fun stuff in transition. He got downhill um, a couple times in the pick and roll. And they, they love to do those little pitch plays for, like, Pascal and Banton and Fred even. But Fred usually pulls up if he has the clearance. But Pascal and Banton, they get those little pitch plays to kind of get momentum and start heading downhill. And Banton was able to turn some downhill possessions in the half court, which is not a strength of his this year. A lot of times he gets kind of stuck above the break. They do the pitch plays back and forth, handoff, handoff, all that kind of stuff until somebody else comes and tries to run, you know, a potent uh, action on the possession. But as far as that goes, I mean, that was awesome. And Banton pushing in transition, finding Barnes for a dunk where Barnes came in off the weak side, a 45 cut, and Banton had gone baseline, slick little backhanded pass, and, you know, you get a dunk out of it. That was awesome to see. Because, like, Banton and Barnes, that's a super fun connection. You know, you wonder if that's going to be potent into the future, if that's going to be something that there's going to be a lot of lineups that feature these guys, and maybe they do win a lot of minutes. That's the... That's the whole deal. And with OG, you know, who knows what's happening with OG. But Banton and with Utah playing so well, you know, Svi seems like he's primed to drop out of the rotation when OG comes back for sure. But Banton and Utah probably, and and Boucher as well, but he he plays a, a different position. So that's less, less concerning to Boucher maybe. But uh, Banton has to prove a lot while he's here, while they're still playing time. Like the fact that Banton is getting... 15 to like 18 minutes in a lot of these games that that certainly wasn't a given at the start of the year and even after summer league it wasn't like he showed out this these are progressions of preseason and the early part of the season where he gets to show his stuff and do it at the NBA level and how much time does he have before the minutes get siphoned off I'm not sure but it's nice to see him developing chemistry with the rest of his teammates and with Barnes in particular, because they, they're drafted the same year, you know? They, they're they supposed to have some sort of synergy, or at least the platonic ideal is that they would, right? And Barnes, I mean, this wasn't like an outstanding game for him. He had a little run, like he always does. It's worth noting that the, the start of his game, what he was doing well, was all off-ball stuff, or all stuff that wasn't like this huge burden of creation. There's that that cut where he where he got to finish with a dunk off of Banton's drive or a, a really sweet Corey cut where he finished the layup too. And when we think about like, okay, what is he doing? What what does a what does a Scotty Barnes highlight look like? It's typically a keeper play on a dribble handoff. And he did. He faked a uh, a dribble handoff with Fred Van Vliet. He turned the corner and had this raucous dunk. It was awesome. What are you doing in my kitchen? Oh <laughs> right. Uh I'm at Blake Murphy's house. Uh this book guys Want to chime in at all? Do you have any thoughts? No, it was a fun game. Yeah. Best they've looked defensively in a while these last two games. Not, nothing at all? No no sound bites? No sound bites. Okay. Get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for the listener, the, uh, Casa de Blake is where I'm hanging out right now. He's he's kind enough to let me uh, hang at his place while I get some work in in Toronto. And uh, yeah, so big shout out to Blake <laughs> for uh, hopping on the Reaction Podcast. 
he's too busy right now. So the the promise of a a Murphy folk reaction podcast isn't it's not delivered yet. But we'll see later this week what happens. Who knows? But yeah, anyway, uh, as Blake said, the defense looked better than it has maybe all season. It's looked really good. And 90 points from the Wizards, who are an accomplished team, who, I mean, it's the first night of a back-to-back for them. They play tomorrow night, but they had rest. They were they didn't play last night. They are able to come in, play a lot of their best guys, and the Raptors shellacked them. Very in-control game. A Precious Achua also deserves love for his defense. You know, if, if we're talking about defense... We have to address Precious Achua, who has been, honestly, when the Raptors are playing good defense, Precious Achua is part and parcel of that process. Part and parcel of that process. That's a funny little tongue twister. But when we think about a guy who changes shots at the rim and he doesn't, this is something Lewis asked, you know, during the pressers, like he doesn't change or sorry, he doesn't block a lot of shots and he's, he's not getting like body to body with a bunch of guys, but He's changing a ton of shots. Lewis has written about this too. And, you know, I've talked about this a little bit. You should read Lewis's piece on Precious, by the way, on RaptorsRepublic.com. This is something I've talked about too, is that Precious has started to look a lot better defensively. The offense, of course, is still a work in progress and will be for the foreseeable future. I mean, whose isn't? But defensively, Precious, like a lot of crisp rotations, helped clean the glass and changed a ton of shots. His hand being there, Awesome. And Nick talked about this in the post-game presser. He said, like, he's getting a little bit more straight with people, a bit more square. And he, he said that maybe guys are finding it harder to finish, you know, over top of him rather than if he's coming a little bit more sideways. He's not squared to the shooter or the guys attempting a layup. Maybe they're having an easier time getting around him or even, like, getting to the free throw line, right? That kind of stuff. And, yeah, Precious deserves a ton of credit for, a, being pretty vertical on a lot of these contests, but also it's about how he's getting to those spots that allows him to be vertical because you can't be stepping over with a lot of, you can't kill that kinetic energy. You're going to have momentum. And the only way you can do that is if you're beating guys to the spot. And he's saying, in front of the rim is my spot. I'm going to get there and I'm going to change shots. And he absolutely did. Last notable guy probably is Chris Boucher. Hell of a game. Um, there was call- He was one of the guys who came out in the presser. He was really happy with it. He mentioned that it's something he's been doing is meditation. And he said he meditates all the time, but he just started doing it before the game. And everybody's aware of the commentary around Chris, be it from like analysts or fans, whoever, right? And it has probably, it leans negative. And, and he knows that. And he said that, you know, he's been thinking too much during the game. So meditating prior and clearing his head and stuff is something that he's doing now. And I hope that we continue to see results because tonight his defensive performance was better than a lot of other ones this season. He like, and offensively, not, not his most robust game, but probably my favorite Chris Boucher game because it wasn't that he needed, he had the three point shot go down or anything like that. It was that he made really clever cuts off ball and that he had better pacing in the pick and roll and that he still, he provides a little bit of pop as far as uh, a guy on the offensive glass and helping clean the defensive glass. All positive stuff. And you could tell he was happy in the postgame presser with his performance and the spirits were high. And that's really nice to see for him because he's really been grinding up against it this year after having such a, a wonderful year last year. I think that's, it's nice to see a guy find success like that. And as far as Gary Trent Jr., uh, I'm not too worried. It's, you know, it's a guy who, he went two of five from three. 
you want him to get more three-point shots up. You want the team to create more looks for him. But as far as not hitting anything in the mid-range or not being able to get to the rim, like you see a guy like Utah attacked a closeout and got all the way to the bucket. That's not a big part of Gary's game right now. Gary gets to the mid-range and Gary gets to maybe a push shot or a little fadeaway and stuff like that. But he's been converting on them at a high enough rate that you're like, hell yeah. But in a game like tonight, he doesn't. And so, oh, there's a there's a huge brawl in the, what was it, Winnipeg and Toronto. Hell yeah, big brawl. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, guys are fighting. When was, the, is Mouse at the Palace the last brawl? Is, is Beef Stew, was he trying to recreate it? Who's to say? Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, Gary Trent Jr., sometimes the shot goes in when they're that difficult and sometimes they don't. Basically, you know, some games he's going to save possessions at the end of the shot clock. Some games he's going to have it going from mid-range. But I think all you want is a little bit of defensive punch. And on top of that, like, hit your threes at above, like, 36%. And hopefully you get enough looks that it's good. And then, you know, you contribute where you can elsewhere. And then anything else is just, like, a huge ask of him. And so, you know, if he punches above his weight, then he punches above his weight. And then maybe eventually that becomes his weight. But who's to say, really? Uh, Yeah. I feel good about that. Super fun game. I got to attend this one as media. That's why, you know, I'm recording so much later than usual. But it was super fun. Everybody was super nice in the interviews and all that kind of stuff. And everybody was super courteous to me as far as media. So that was cool. Very nice to see. And yeah, the the crowd was started out with, I would say, a certain malaise. It, it was not super amped up. But by the time Pascal started to get it rolling and everybody realized what was happening... That was awesome. It was cool to see. And like Precious had, you know, a thunderous dunk after an offensive rebound. He obviously got the Scotty Barnes had two dunks tonight and Pascal shot making. And Fred opened the game up with like truly a Harlem Globetrotters possession where he turned Gafford around and then lost the ball, but regained it and then put it around his own back and hit a mid-range jumper. And it's certainly highlight worthy stuff, but it's also a bit of luck. It was just a hell of a possession anyway. And yeah, so this game was fun from the beginning, but the crowd definitely got into it as it went along so very cool to see and it also it, it came after um Masai Ujiri's Giants of Africa event so that was cool to see and like hell yeah um big shout out to Masai and everybody there's like Russell Peters and some other apparently Adam Silver was there as well so uh cool to see good a good night of basketball for Toronto Reggie Evans award precious Achua, no doubt uh he, if he keeps playing like this he's going to garner a lot of recognition in the Reggie Evans award department and I think that's that's apt you know and as he develops he will become a more well-rounded player who provides all that non-Reggie Evans stuff but as far as tonight and during the season grab some eat some glass do some stuff very good uh top quick reaction comment is from ice cold cam birch quote six assists by Banton that's a great development he was running the bench offense really nicely end quote Hell yeah, man. I mean, Banton can certainly pass at a much higher level than maybe people thought. And when he's put in a position of advantage, I think he converts on them at a high enough rate that you you wonder how can you cook up more possessions where he has that advantage? How can you get him? Blake and I were looking at a possession today where it was a Spain pick and roll and, you know, Precious got to Fred set the back screen and Precious got to the bucket and Banton got downhill. He had that classic you know, jump, stop, pivot, and then pass from a different angle pass. 
And he, he has a, a plethora of different looks he can give, and he has that height that allows him to put a little bit more zip on some passes, especially headed down towards the paint and stuff like that. So, yeah, the six assists tonight, awesome. Uh, glad you enjoyed it too. So, Ice Cold Ken Birch, thanks for writing in. Listener, thanks for tuning in, but whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>